0: Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of hefty large black bags. Block Talk Radio.
1: <coughs> Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching. Get answers to your questions and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of The Prophets Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price.
0: Paula Price. Oh,
1: look the Welcome, beats and everything. Paul. <laughs> Dr. Paula Price, better late than never. We got the beats and everything. We got it all. Well, Ashley, I'm excited about today. I'm always excited. You know, I'm starting to get really thrilled about. Um, ready? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for me? Yes. Okay, because I just need to know.
0: Yes.
1: Okay. I'm excited. Is the screen on? You want uh,
0: to uh, Yeah, well, okay because
1: now? I want them to get excited. Oh, we're live? Uh-huh.
0: Camera live. Camera, camera live.
1: Okay, so I have to look up now. Hi, camera and hi, people. Hello, Block Talk radio listeners. You are my family. I called Block Talk, Ashley, my firstborn. They are really the firstborn. So, blog talk. We're probably going to keep them for a little bit because, well, they are the firstborn. And then I thank God for Facebook and YouTube because you know we've been out there for a couple of years. Did you know that? Right a few years. <laughs> yeah. Did everybody get their coffee or your tea or your health drink? I'm, I'm foregoing health drink today for co- for coffee. You know, caffeine. I need a kick. You
0: know, me <laughs> <laughs> uh, too. To I have
1: coffee. Now, think about how long we've been
0: doing social media. About I mean, two years. No, we're going into three because we've been in the house we're in now for two years. Wow. And we were doing it before.
1: We were. Well, I'm telling you, <laughs> I am, I am having a, a, an interesting time realizing that I'm going into another. Um, what do I call myself? Another dimension, but another self-invention. I'm, look, things have changed for me so much. I am loving the power of God that, that is built, that has built, but now has literally assimilated itself throughout my being. I want to tell you about that because I think you can have fun. I think it's going to be good. You know. But, but without a hope, man, I'm telling you, there is no pursuit because you're not going to pursue something you don't hope for. You don't anticipate. You don't expect. So without a hope, we just can't make it happen. So I, I wanted to share that. I'm going to talk to you about it, but here's what I want to talk to you about. The power you're looking for in God is prayer. Now, I found out nothing happens for my life without prayer. I'm, I don't mean Lord pay the rent, Lord give the, the children some shoes, God can I get an A, Ooh, let me get a promotion. I'm talking about positioning and establishment prayer. Oh, hallelujah. I I really mean that because prayer is more than an exercise. It's more than a practice. It is more than a devotion. Prayer is a positioning and establishment and a settling of yourself in that which God has called you to do. Remember I said that, positioning. Prayer changes your position in life. That position changes your alters your status. I want to say altered. alters your status in the realm of the supernatural. Uh, many of you want God to do things from the earth only, but there are times you got to let that flesh lay down and release that spirit to go after what you want and to sketch it in the atmosphere, to sketch it in the spirit realm so that it can find a body in the earth realm. Now tell me you're not excited about that. i okay. You've got, You've got to be, because prayer is your, literally, it is your architectural blueprint. It is the stylist. Listen to me. The stylus that sketches what you want or what God has ordained that, to take on a body in the earth realm. I've got to hit something early in the show. Because I want you to know, prayer is, uh, when I'm finished with you today, you will not look at prayer the same way again. I don't care if you are the mightiest prayer warrior in the country or in the world, and we've got some mighty people. But the reason you're mighty, you can't pass on to others, and that is what people need from you. We need your prayers. We need your intercession. We need it. So if you know people who are prayer warriors and intercession, uh, intercessors, I want you to, right now, just right this moment, take a second and say, Dr. Price is on and she's talking about potent, powerful prayer. And I'm giving you prayer tips. We're going to name this. Uh, I want you to get the name right. We're going to name this Potent Prayer Tips and Protocols. Potent Prayer Tips and Protocols, because I'm just giving you tips. See, I have a class in our university uh, entitled Opening Your Prayer Portal. You're going to get a little tidbit of that here today. We just finished a powerful session. I mean, to me, a compelling session on spiritual intervention. Now, you all might say, yeah, we know that it's no, you don't, because most people start spiritual intervention classes with techniques and tips. I'm going to, I want you to know you want to sign up. Well, you can now because you can enroll in this webinar because you're going to learn more about intervention than you think. And you're going to understand the importance of intercession versus intervention. We talk about some of the laws of intervention because everything in God's creation has laws. That's what we hate. That's why we can't get away from law, because everything is law. Because law is that is is code of containment and the code of action or actionizing that makes happen, things happen within their sphere, within their realm, and within their time. You know, I have found that even if you pray for something for 20, 30 years— if it takes that long, to pull those codes out of the spirit realm and to hack the barriers, because we have to hack the barriers to our prayers. There are literal, established, God-ordained barriers and obstacles that we must hack. There is literally a whole veil between God's world and this world that you must work according to the rules to penetrate. Your skin is a veil. People don't just run into your heart. They don't run into your liver to tell you, everything has a skin, and that skin on humans may be permeable one way. But well, the Bible says that whatever I ask in your name, you will do it. He said, my Bible also says, be ye holy for I am holy. You know, my Bible says a lot. So we, if we want to play the Bible game, the quote and uh, motive, quote and intent, I'll play that with you all day long. But don't come to me as if you are have been standing in the stairs, sitting at my dinner table every day, meditating on me every morning, praising me throughout the day, and serving me in all you do. Don't come at me as if that's the case. Because if that is not the case, we need to go back and we need to reevaluate our relationship. Because no matter what, prayer is based on relationship. Your relationship with the one you want to answer it. How you treat God is a, a 100% reflected in your prayer response. His attitude towards you has to do with your attitude toward him. As much as we don't want to say it, God, listen. God is a reciprocal God. He He really said, if you, "If you, know, if you ask holy, I'm going to ask holy. If you come to me, and I'm going to do that," He said, "With the proud, I'm going to behave you. I'm going to act the way they to them or with them the way they act to me." With the humble, I'm going to show myself humble. I'm going to act humble. I'm going to yield. He said with the forward, I'm going to be forward. We don't read that. The unfortunate thing that people did to you is they talked to you out of the scriptures that were giving you, that give you the mind of Christ. We, just, we assume that we'll just slap the label on our brain and call it the mind of Christ. But you have to know the mind that was in him. What, was the, what mind was in Jesus Christ that he is working by his spirit, to embed in you. See, all of these are what you call prayer factors, and we don't have prayer factors. You know, we have, we just, well, I'll just take God at his word. I mean, the word movement, uh, you know, the faith movement was really great about the word of God. I'm going to tell you right now, I, I think they did a wonderful job, but I think they stopped too soon and they got too narrow because they became the editors of Scripture. And they began to edit it according to them. And then they didn't teach you about going in and find, making sure that the, 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 the delivery you chose, the fragment, the statement, the passage you stood on, was in fact relative, relevant to your situation. You just went and said, well, Luna, I just believe that God wants me to be rich, so I'm going to just say that every day. How long have you been saying? 25, 30 years? You know what's going to be rich? Your heirs. Because by your departure, what you have built up will happen. So there is, you know, everything about God. You're going to love this statement. This is what I've, I've been writing a, a, a new book, which I talked about on Sunday. But so everything about God is multiplex. God, there is nothing single dimensional about the Almighty. I want you to write that down. Everything about God is multiplex. There is nothing single, dimensional, about the Almighty. If God drops a, a breath, a, 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 a drop of perspiration, understand it may be a single drop, but when you put that drop under microscope or watch what happens when it lands on something, you'll find out that it is a multiplex of elements and components and, and actions and dynamics that are at work in this. God is multiplex. Omniplex. We get multiplex. He's omniplex. That means every complication, every mix, every um, um, adaptation that you can think of is in one thing. Let's look at Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ goes and he's a blind man. Now, most of us would say, go to Walgreens or go to your doctors and, and hey, you need to get an ophthalmologist or optometrist. Well, I'm sure that they didn't have that, what we have now, but they had certain versions thereof. Now, Jesus, he goes there, he bends down and spits on the ground. Multiplex. Omniplex. He spits on the ground. Now, the ground is his. He's made the ground. The ground is composed of, of every body and every human, every earth, every, every vegetation, uh, whatever. And he spits on the ground. He spits. He didn't say, somebody go get me a cup of water. He didn't. He just sits. That kind of stuff is interesting. Now, but, but, you know, people who are uh, definitely um, adverse to Scripture— they like to lock those things into storyland land and into story context. And that's fine because they don't want to use it. But the Bible says every word that, that Jesus speaks is spirit and light. He said, every word I speak unto you is spirit and life." So you have to recognize that he stood on the ground because he made the ground, and the very thing that made the ground was his fit. His fit made that ground. His spit, the ground had his DNA, and they met. And when his spit left, it was full of all of the codes of life and creation, healing and restoration that anybody would need. And the ground understood it. The ground said, oh, this is fit. This, this is not every No, this is not motor fit. This is spit that's activating things in me that have been dormant and that are dormant. And so I've got to go from being dirt to being a cure. Oh, I'm right wait minute, wait minute, hold on. I'm kidding, me back there. We got a system. It, bang. Jesus spit, told dirt to become medicine, and so the properties of dirt, the properties of so- of the soil, with all of the 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 impurities of. He put footsteps and and dead bodies and bones and and uh, you know foul water and te- all of that yielded to the saliva of its maker. But you got to know that that is happening. You cannot have a God who who you don't think is all powerful. All of his secretions would have been. I'm telling you, if Jesus came now, they're not going to let him out. If he came as he did then, today, don't worry about it. He's going to be locked up in some laboratory somewhere. They're never going to let him out. There will not be a church because there will not be a cross. So when you think, think about it, so I can give this information to you and cause you to think differently about God because I don't read the Bible as a story. I take it as a work manual. It's a work document to me. It's a training manual. It's a protocol manual. It's a policy and procedure manual to me. I don't take it like that because I know that what's in there are just accepted parts, sections of what the man really said or did. And I know that there are certain things God did not let in the scripture because he relies on the Holy Ghost to bring it to the word. That's what do know. You know, we talk about Paul's miracles all day long, but the Bible says that God worked unusual miracles by the hand of Paul, not by all the apostles, and their miracles were unusual. But see, they were their miracles were more atypical, anomalous. Paul's miracles were proprietary, and it's very different. My apostles learned that in class in spiritual photographs. Maybe, maybe, the prophet, ask himself a little bit to you about it. But, but, it all begins with prayer. Jesus Christ, the Son of the Living God, the Man, the, literally the God, the deity that everybody had prayed to up to that moment that Israel had prayed to, obeyed, fought, rejected, etc., embodied in flesh, earthly flesh, and just what he had to do. Right. Pray. Pray always at all times, for all things, without ceasing. Because God says prayer is more than a practice, and it's more than a crisis response. Prayer is how you minimize crisis, and you maintain yourself personally an open pipeline from heaven to God. A few weeks back, I talked with you about John 151 and its contrast from Genesis 28. I believe it's 28, 5 to 12. But, and I talk to you from the perspective of Jacob had a ladder, needed a ladder, and Jesus came as the ladder. That's an important thing. Now, what made him the ladder? He was born of a mortal woman. What made him the ladder is that he was born of the Spirit of God so what does that say to you you who are born again filled with God's Holy Spirit are, are the ladder to heaven or the portal so Jesus walked as the portal and it said pretty soon because I'm here you're going to see angels ascending and descending what right upon what can we go to John 151 I like to, sometimes you know sometimes I like to read it and other times I just want you to remember what it feels like to handle the Bible Okay, did you hear it? The show was Closing Demonic Portals, and it was broadcasted December 13th. I mean, September. Woo. I don't know what December is going to be. But anyway, so I want you to go with me quickly. This is a short passage, but it's the one passage that built the seal on my prayer authority and my prayer capacity. Ability has to be built over time. But my authority and capacity were clarified for me by John one fifty one. Oh, here you You okay. know? Um, this one this one passage and when you're writing your Bible it's cross reference because there is cross reference from in uh, from Genesis twenty eight. Which which what we call Jacob's ladder. You know, we got all songs and terror. We are climbing Jacob's ladder. No, you're because 'Cause Jacob's been climbing ladder. All right. So John one fifty one. Do you say this like that?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but it didn't say that. I'm was just
0: you
1: so I mean it's like, okay. And here it says, here, listen, listen, lean in. Come on, let's lean in. It says, and he saith unto him, him being Nathaniel, Verily, verily, I say to you, hereafter, after from the moment I leave this encounter, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man, not the Son of God. This is his earthly mission. This is a, and his mission is stationed here in, you know, Mortonville, And Jacob did not have that. You know, when you look at Jacob, um, Jacob's, Jacob's reference, it doesn't say that. When you go to Genesis 20, let me see if I can find it. Cause you know what? I don't know if I highlighted this one. I I love this Bible, but you know, every time I get a new Bible, you got to start all over, and you know, your cross references. Twelve. thank you but, but you know what that's why you did it what you did okay so here it is Jacob 28:12 says and he dreamed and behold a ladder set up on earth and the and the top of it reached to heaven and behold the angels of God ascending and descending on it it didn't say J- Jacob descended it said the angels did and why did he need to see that because Jacob, was about to be used to fulfill a, I mean, a massive vision of the Almighty. He's getting ready to forget the 12 patriarchs of Israel. And so he, in order to do it, say, I want you to get this. I want you to get this. I want you to get this. God, help us. Help us. Help us get this. And God is taking territory. He's taking that land. He's actually going and he's going into that that repository called the nation and he is pulling out a people for his name. That had never happened before. The first time God showed any interest in having his own people is with uh, Noah. Up until then, you know, it's like, well, you know, all all the world went to hell in a handbasket. With Noah, he has Noah build an ark. We see it again, he takes the, 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 the eight souls, you Noah know, and his sons, he takes these eight souls and he rescues them from the flood. And you don't hear any more about them, about how important it was to rescue them, until you get to Peter who talks about the eight souls. So God says, I want to res- I'm going to rescue them and I'm going to repopulate the earth. With Noah and his son. I don't know about you, but there is, I mean, we can sit around and go, we can go have lunch and just talk about that for a good hour or two. So he, he, they are the gene pool. Noah is the genetic gene pool of the earth's repopulation. Uh, uh, I love this bell. We we all descended from Adam, but everything that descended from Adam, except Noah, that entire human gene pool was slaughtered. It was drowned in the sea. Are you feeling this? Are you getting this? This is like whoa. So we go from uh, so our genetics, as it is today, goes from Adam to Noah and his sons, Noah being the progenitor. So Adam is a progenitor, Noah is a progenitor, Abraham is a progenitor, and Jacob is a progenitor. These are the progenitors that the Almighty used to define the human composition he transformed into citizens of God world jesus comes and he is the very first the one and only spiritual progenitor who has no natural offspring that is why John first John says who who were born not of the flesh nor of the will of flesh but of God Jesus could not make a physical offspring because that offspring would rival, hallelujah, the people that he wanted to save. Because that offspring, that physical being, would be a a, a contest and a literal disruption of the souls he wanted to save. So Jesus didn't come to reproduce bodies; he came to reproduce spirits and to transform souls. He came to reproduce. So you know how they have all of these, because you know I watch some of these documentaries on Netflix and, you know, Jesus' kids and turn on. Jesus could not ever have a kid before he rose from the dead. You understand that. The whole purpose of him coming is to kill mortality. So why would he give birth to a half-mortal kid? Because Paul tells Timothy and Titus that Jesus came to abolish death. So when you think about it, like when, but see, you have to be trained. You watch me every week because you know I'm going to instruct you in those nuances that leave holes and gaps in the story of Christ. So I give you the, the rational plugins you need to say, well, that can't happen. Because G- if, if, if Jesus had a kid, his dying would have been useless. Because the kid would have tried to carry on. And there would not be a charge. Not to mention we don't know whose spiritual line that kid would be locked out of. See, there's a whole lot to this thing. But how did you get this, Dr. Prayer. I pray. I don't, and to me prayer is it, 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 to me prayer is constitutional. It is my constitutional ability. Oh good. Prayer is my constitutional makeup. I'm comprised of prayer. I was built by prayer. I was transformed by prayer. And so now prayer is no longer a, 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 a what do you call a practice that I go to. Prayer is a constant. Prayer Prayer has become part of my constitution, like breathing, like eating, like sleeping, like thinking and feeling. Prayer has permeated and reconstituted all of that. God reconstituted me according to prayer, through prayer, and beyond prayer. Just like prayer reconstitutes you, constant prayer reconstitutes you. Constant prayer reconstitutes you. Constant prayer reconstitutes you. What is that reconstitution for? Doctor Price, for John one fifty one that the, that God's angels, which are His providers and purveyors. Write that down. Providers and surveyors, Providers and purveyors. P u r v e y o r s. You want to understand, but if you don't think differently about prayer, you won't want anything more from prayer than you've already gotten, and it won't be as tedious to you as it always been. Because to most of you all, prayer is a tedious, boring exercise. Our Father, one heaven, hallowed be your name. Okay? We're there. We're stuck there. The Lord is our shepherd, and you don't know what to do with prayer. See, it is not that you don't like prayer. You just don't know what to do with prayer, and you don't know how to engage in it to get what you need out of it. You like God. You want to talk to God. So the first thing I want to tell you is that all prayer, typically for me, all prayer begins with praise. I just, and it's not a long, I didn't say a praise session. Because if you make it a praise session, you won't get to prayer. You just won't. You'll just be caught up in so-and-so song and that book and how that thing hits you, and then the memories come back, and next thing you know, you are refreshed by the praise, and you're walking away out of the prayer closet. See, you have to understand prayer, oh, prayer has got to come from a conscious attitude, and that conscious attitude has got to be reconstituted. Which means recalibrated to look at reaching out to heaven differently. Oh, what a shit about Jesus. Amen, honey. So I don't pray as if God and I are strangers or, this, or if, as if I fit him in all week. I don't fit God in my life, I fit my life in God. You all are trying to fit God in your life, which is why he's not growing, because you gave him a little spot. You know, it's like the goldfish. You put the goldfish in a cup, he's going to stay tiny. You put him in a tank, he's going to become like a little whale. So God doesn't grow in you because you have confined him to what you can give him. The time you can give him, the attention you can give him, the, the work you can give him, the sacrifice. Everything about you and God is a confinement. And so that confinement leaves little room for somebody to stretch out and be strong in you. I don't. I fit my life around the Almighty. I can't help it. It is what I do. I have done it since 1982. So you realize that, you know, me and I are pretty close by now. And trust me, when you start doing it, God will start depending on you. He'll seek it because God loves fellowship he loves companionship, he loves communion, he loves his family. When you start letting God have his free course and let him organize the places he want around him, kind of like the temple, of uh, the uh, tabernacle in the wilderness, Moses pitched the middle one, and then God decided he was going to us. So I don't treat prayer, or I don't treat God as if, Disruptive to it I treat God like hell is disrupting him World is intruding on his time And things are invading his fear That's what it means to put God first I know people like it, Well I put God first And most of you all mean When you say you put God first You mean but well, he's the first person you talk to in the morning But then after that God is third, fourth, fifth, twenty-fifth, ninety-seven So putting God first Is not breaking up Praying to him that is not putting God first. Putting God first is, is understanding his needs and his assignments to you. And they're not all the same for everybody. But you should know yours. And so putting God first is knowing that whatever your schedule say, you have to fit it in with you and God. And then you have to allow God to facilitate it. And then you have to functionalize your day around God's place in your life. Now, that's going to be hard. You know, for most people, it's hard, especially Americans, because, you know, we are independent. We are the liberal, or we got to have our freedom, our liberty. And the one thing America, modern world, I won't say the, America, the modern world, is has done is liberating you from Christ. Most of you all are feeling free in yourself because you're liberated from Jesus Christ. And, and the spirit that liberated you, cloaked you, You know, gave you a cloak for your sin that makes, that insulated you from his reaction. He's a honeyman, So when you go to prayer, pray, you're praying through that cloak. That's your barrier, the cloak that you're using to do what God doesn't like or nor want. That's, your, that's it. Your, your, clo- your prayer barrier is the cloak you have used for your sin. So what's happening? Well, I'm getting answers, yeah, but you're getting answers your, from your cloaker, not your Savior. And you don't know that until you decide to give up the stuff and get rid of the cloak, at which point you look at yourself through the eyes of Christ and say, oh, my God, I'm a mess. Oh, I can't even believe I thought this was Right. I can't even believe that this God, forgive me. I mean, you fall to your knees and you say, God, forgive me. And it's at that moment that the first course of reunion of reconciliation is forged. That's a powerful thing, isn't it? Are you, did you tell all your friends to, to join in? Because you know, this is good. This is needy. Did, did you say, share, share, share? Did you invite them? I need you to do that because... We are coming into a place, a time in this earth realm where prayer will not be a decision or an option. It will become a compulsion. Fear, panic, assault, etc., are going to land in this planet in such a way that it's going to drive you to prayer. And it would be nice to know what to do when you got there. So if you look at your screen, you see it's talking about prayer, and we're talking about the golden ticket to the kingdom. Prayer, effective prayer, has got to have an attitude of consciousness, of transaction. You cannot pray hoping it will work, but feeling that it will flop. You know, flop feeling causes your prayer to flop. Flop so you feel it will flop. Well, you know, I'm just playing because, well, and most of you all, you can find out if you're that kind of a, a person or, or, because here's what you say. Well, I tried everything else. So I might as well try prayer. Okay, but you, you, you already don't think it's going to work because prayer should have been your first record and not your last resort. So you go to God, and God will wait. you know, one thing about the Lord, he'll wait, trust me, he's not bored. He's handling so many things, he can fill your time with a whole lot of other issues and tasks that he needs to take care of. But prayer should be the first. As a matter of fact, any venture that you engage in should not have come to you by way of anything else but prayer. First. Even if you got a vision, there should have been prayer. So here we talk, in this particular session, we talk about intersexual, intercessory, interventional, declarative, and, 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 the, and the last one should have been decorative, um, which is decretive, or decorative, D-E-C-R-E-T-I-V, which is decree. So prayer is about intercession, intervention, de- declaration, and decree. Isn't that good to know? You need to know that. So what are we talking about? The prayer, the golden ticket to kingdom providence. Because see, our provisions come from providence. Uh, did you notice in the you know right in the beginning here, right here? If you take off the N C E, you got to providence. So our provisions come from heaven's providence. Here. God has has. Set aside is allocated to everyone. Much of what you think about providence has to do with, you know, the period of grace, an era, a time, etc. It's about allotments and allocations. Providence is always about allotments, allocation, and provision. Providence is always about allotments, allocation, and provision, even if they... Pertain to time or eras, seasons, or events. That still is a fundamental purpose for, man, I love this one. For providence. Why is that important? Why should you know that? Because you need to approach prayer knowing that what you are petitioning exists. And that not only does it exist, God wants to get it to you. But everything physical, every body is talking about every entity, is preceded by a spiritual blueprint in architecture. So a spiritual schematic preceded you, preceded your flesh. How do we know that? Because Genesis 1 says on the sixth day, God created man, but on the eighth day, he formed the body. In for the minute. Now, that principle has got to guide your prayer motivation. You have got to recognize that if God doesn't have in His invisible reservoirs, reserves, repositories, treasuries, arsenals, what you need, warehouses, if He doesn't have what you need in His world, then you can scream cry spit all day long. It will not create a body in this world because it is a spiritual thing that creates bodies. Paul says God gives everything a body as he sees fit. So embodiment is what we do. Prayer embodies and transport embodies. It gets it from the spirit realm, from God's Repositories, is unseen invisible repositories, to you in a bodily form. And it could be a physical entity or it can be an actual event. Either way, and events don't happen without bodies. So, embodiment has got to be your appreciation and your, uh, your acceptance, the, the ground of your hope and the, the, the seeds of your faith. You've got to know that. So you prayed a lot of prayers and didn't believe that they existed in God's realm, so you didn't expect them to come from here. So if God's sovereignty kicked in, it happens. And if not, if it, it light on your face, it didn't happen. Now, there are times that God's sovereignty will say no, not today, because remember, we talked about it. The word dispensation literally sends to or conveys Providence. And providence is what? Is allocated, allotted, schematized. We can go on. So changing your attitude is going to expedite your prayer results and your prayer provision. You've got to stop praying as if you are just simply, well, I'm just going to ask. God is not a father that doesn't want to do this. He said, cheer up, little flock. It is my good pleasure. To give you the kingdom. God wants the kingdom in your hands, not devils. He wants the kingdom in your hands, not witches. He wants the kingdom in your hands, not sorcerers. He wants the control of everything that He created in the hands of His family, His children, and His offspring. See, you've got to go there. You've got to, oh, help me. Help me. You have got to approach your prayer as an as a child. Now that's good for some people who've had great parents, but it's a challenge to those who've had poor parents. But your job is to, is to approach God the way you did your great parents, and and if you didn't have a parent, approach God as you have always hoped you could if you had a parent. Because God listens to his children first, just like your parents. He listens to his children first. Now, that doesn't mean that he just listens to those that are saved, because God's got children who are waiting to come in. Jesus said, and then other flocks. He I've got other flocks that I've got to join in. But he listens to his children first. And if they are not saved, he, the first thing he wants them to do is to honor him by allowing their spiritual to enter their physical body or their mortal spirit, God wants you alive and not dead. I know we think He wants to kill everybody. He doesn't. Devils want to kill everybody. God wants to bring Him back. Wants to revive. And that's why Jesus came and showed you that He didn't want to kill everybody. He didn't turn around. He was bringing somebody back from the dead. Oh, my son died. Okay, I'll be there in a minute. As soon as I finish this sandwich, I'm gonna come and bring him back. <laughs> Just me, i, I, I got to get a snack. I'm going to get a snack, and then I'm going to come and get him back. I mean, he took four days, the whole banquet, before he came back to get Lazarus. Because God is not out for your death and destruction. He's out for your life and protection. But you have got to shift your mind about the Almighty. You've got to shift your mind about his son. You have been taught by those who need you to stay in the, in the realm of the dead and live the life of the doomed, that Jesus Christ is impotent. He really didn't come. Whatever. Now, can you imagine? Now, here's a joke. This is a joke. You know, wait, hold on. It's time to get a sip of coffee. Get sip. Come on, let's get together, you know. Get sip. And I appreciate all of you all that put your coffee cups on the on the post a couple of weeks ago, I, I, I got a kick out of it. It really tickled me. <laughs> a couple of you all are like, okay, that's, I got my coffee. I'm ready now. <laughs> We're ready. We're having it together. But here's how to know that the enemy you know, really comprehends better than we do the blindness the Almighty put on our minds and that he perpetuates Because people will tell you Jesus is a lie, and yet will tell you devils, skeletons, skeletons, not even any flesh, skeletons, spiders, and all of these other things are gruesome, and all of the other gruesomes and gringlies are lies and entertaining. You understand, because some of y'all, y'all going to go and try to do Halloween, send your little children out to celebrate Satan? Y'all going to do that and then talk about I don't believe in Christmas trees? Because, you know, oh. hypocrisy is just the silliest thing I've ever seen. But you will go and dress your child up to go out and celebrate what they call Satan's birthday. And then talk about you got a problem with Jesus Christ and his church. You little hypocrite, you better unloose that devil and then and go. You will sit there and talk about, well, you know, or or, or worse yet, you're the hallelujah church. Well, we're just going to praise Jesus on Satan's birthday. I don't know why Satan doesn't praise him on his. You cannot Christianize sin, and you're going to have to come to terms with that reality. You can't Christianize Satan. Satan is not a Christian, nor does he want to be. And stop treating him as if he is a penitent waiting to be saved, waiting to get to the cross. Satan wouldn't go to the cross. Period. That's why he's the lesser God, because he, he wouldn't get on the cross. And the reason Jesus had to get on the cross was him. So you all, I mean, right now, and I'm going to tell you right now, I curse Halloween. I curse it from my seat of authority in the Lord Jesus Christ. I curse it. I curse it to death, because I don't understand how you can talk a nation into dressing up to pretend to die. See, there's something wrong with that. See, that's what witchcraft is. Because, see, in, in, in Satan's world, good is evil. And evil is to be chosen. So people are excited about how they can bleed out and drink blood. How are you going to drink somebody's blood? You don't even know what's in them. Do you know blood is where your diseases are? And these people happily to drink blood? Come on, somebody. You know it's the devil. How are you going to sit there and say, I'm drinking blood and eating feces and all that kind of stuff to get the power of life? When our own science book says it's all Oh, I, wish, I, I really wish I could get an amen with this right now. And I really wish I could get an amen and a couple amen. of hallelujahs because I need to break the veil of blindness. See, these are the reasons why God needs you in power. God needs you sitting in your seat of a fountain. Let me forget the church ruled the world. That's what the witches are trying to do. But guess what? You can't rule what you keep killing. See, they work themselves out of their position because they keep killing folk. They keep sickening them. They keep oppressing them. You're talking about... They rule the world, and we, look, look at this, because I want you all to know what we're going to pray for, because we've got to start praying differently. They sit there and say, we rule. So let's look at your rule, because I want to look at it. Because, see, sometimes we need a saint to tell you what's in the darkness. You rule, and you've increased alcoholism. So people cannot be productive in life, because they're intoxicated. You rule, and you increase disease. So you rule by intoxication, drug addiction, and disease, and death, and destruction. You rule by dismantling life and demolishing souls. How am I supposed to celebrate that? And yet, saints do. So when when they start talking about their power, I want you to stop thinking that it's power for power, because it isn't. Because the difference between them and Jesus Christ is that they can demolish all they do, but the man can restore. And I think the restorer holds the high part. So you, Satan, can addict you and addict your family, because that's what it is. They they give your family to these devils, and these devils get to blend with your DNA so that you, your son's son, your son's son, son, your mother's daughter, your daughter's daughter are all born disposed to addiction. Can't give him an answer. So let's look at what they're doing. They're looking, because I'm not, I'm trying because they're looking to make slaves out of humans, drones out of you. They are not looking for you to live under their dominion. They're looking for you to die or at least to be enslaved. They are, their reign means your enslavement. It means your self-destruction. We got manic, bipolar, manic, we've got, whatever else they got going on, and you're on pills all the time. Those pills immobilize you. what if you can't what? Do what Jesus can. to do, have life. You're on pills every day, losing jobs because you can't stay away. How is that going to be? I'm still trying to find where, the, where, the, where, the, where the, the good is. You're talking about America being the number one drug consumer in the world? You're talking about everybody that you know has some sort of a pill? You're talking about your children are being raised with no identity or a conflicted identity? You're talking about their rule making you nothing but a sex organ? How is uh, I am trying to I'm trying to see weird phrases, because I can't get it. But um, why are you mentioning those things? We're talking about politicians who say they cannot they will not be civil, which means they will always fuel the civilians with hatred. That you, you're talking about the life that your kids are going to have. Hatred is going to be the norm. This is witchcraft conquest. This is, this is what they're bragging about. They're bragging. There you go, they're bragging right? You're talking about your daughters can't have a hope, your daughters being snatched off the streets, enslaved into sexual this and sexual that. You're talking about your son being subject to pedophiles. You're talking about pedophilia being, being the norm, being uh, the, the literal natural human experience or socially accepted human experience. Do you realize what they say they have? Their bragging rights are real and impressive because to me they're bragging about having taken down a great nation. That is their brag, and having literally deceived its populations into celebrating its destruction of their land and their people. That's not bragging to me. I mean, that's their bragging I don't know. I think Jesus bragged the better because he can still set you free. He can still deliver you from all of that because he's God. He holds the original patent of your life, your soul, your body. Isn't that great? He holds a patent. He has all the court codes on this. And you don't even realize it. So why did you go that way? Because I wanted you to understand, to give you some prayer objects and prayer targets. Prayer is earth transportation to heaven supplies. But prayer has protocols. I put you might like these. Prayer has protocols. Number one, you need to know how to open your prayer portal. My classes is on that subject. On, on the internet, go to my website, drpaulaaprice.com, and you can get them. You are now getting excerpts, excerpts from that class since so you understand it. The first thing you need to understand is that by law and by divine design, the spirit realm is restricted. Humans are restricted from entering that realm. Just run on so a lot of say They're restricted. We're born to be, to be held down. We're born to be too dense, too weighty, meaning too heavy, really, um, to get in that realm. So you need help. The, re- the way you get into that realm is that someone who is a lawful citizen of it comes alongside you and be- behaves or acts as your escort. So they escort you by using their access code. To get into that realm. So that's the first thing you need to know. Now, in order for you to do that, you need that that prayer portal. So you need the permit. So there is, you know, if you look at it, prayer, you know, prayer portal access, exclusive access, you need to know where you are. And not everybody who can penetrate the veil separating this world from God's world or from the invisible world has the same clearance. So you need to know what your clearance is. You need to know where you are with God. And if you're estranged, you have a very low clearance. So you are pretty much a crisis access prayer. So when things get hard and God wants to spare your life and, and keep you going until he can save your soul or repair your relationship, he will handle your calamity, but he will leave you on your own to struggle with his sovereignty. That's how that goes. So and you have a list, you see those stamps here I'm excited about prayer portal access stamp, which means your proof. So you have to get God's permission granted. That's why you need prayer classes and prayer teachers, because all of the things that you think are holding you back are not, and the things that you feel should give you access or should give you clearance won't. So there are God. And you say, Well, I don't know if I agree with that. No, I don't know if I agree with their guards. I don't know what I, mean, God, I, I can't see the reason. How did God do that? Let's go back to Eden. When Adam lost his access, God was not going to let unbelief or disbelief, in his case, stubbornness and rebellion become his ticket back into the garden. So what did God do? He set God at the gate. What do you think about Eden? Eden had only one way in. People would say, well, there's a lot of ways to heaven. No, there isn't, because they got one gate, east. Eden had one gate, one way in, because God wasn't going to have to worry about him breaking windows and and cracking through doors. He wasn't going to do that. So Eden had one way in. So when Jesus says, I am the door, he's telling you, you might get past the invisible barriers of your terrain, but you'll never get into my realm without getting into my flesh. So we, we what what he said that Jesus' blood opened the way to him, a new and living way to him through the veil of his flesh. So they could tell you all day long. Those are don't listen to them, mother is Now one of them cases heaven, not one of them done in are all a sign of people who tried to beat him and lost. Don't listen to them. Don't drive a lie. So, because there is, how do you get into somebody's body? Just tell me, how do you walk into someone else's body? Their way of doing so is drinking their blood. God's way of doing so is shedding his blood. I want you to know, this is important. So, we have the protocol. So, you need need to find out where you stand with God and what is your level of clearance into his presence and access to his provisions. Some people have a high access, and some people don't. A, a couple of things that uh, increases your access is we have some sort of calamity outside. I mean, this is going to be interesting. But the the one thing that will increase your access is intimacy. At least if you can't, if you can do that familiarity, if you can't do that frequency, what we got to work? But you and God You've got to be in His audience. In his assembly, all the time, the devil lied to you and said it didn't matter if you went to church or not. And he lied to you and said well, your experience is what decides what church you go to. No, no, that's not how that works. Because see, the assembly that God assigned for you came down from heaven as your assembly. In the congregation, he talks about that in Hebrew 12. You need to read it. So, First thing you need to know is, are you frequent with God? Do you frequent God's presence? Do you frequent his services? Or are you one of those that come when life is hard? Because if you are a crisis communionist, then you are never going to have high access to God because God knows you don't like his company. He knows that you don't like the feel of his spirit. So we have to change a few things because most of us have been talked down a bit. Many of us, especially at my age group, man, you grew up knowing church was it. I don't care if your father was a drunker or, or your mother was whatever, y'all, they had church clothes for you. You went church because they wanted that, that They wanted better for you than they gave themselves. So you have got your frequency. God, you've got to let God know that he is not repugnant to you or that the things about him repel you. You've got to work at that. That is something that he alone compels you. And then you've got to believe that he is and not that he is an irritant or that he is your adversary. God is not your adversary. He's not your enemy. He's your solution. And so you've got to believe, and you've got to believe God is worth the effort. And if, even if that effort is suffering, or setbacks, you cannot confuse life's reaction to your faith with God's belief or character for you. God is not your enemy, and just because you have a setback, your setback is not because He wants you to suffer. You only suffer because you and God disagree on the roadmap to your victory. God suffers all the time because He's got to suffer your rejection. He's got to suffer your disdain. And I don't know, you didn't think you made Him suffer, but you did. Because He's so tender. He loves His family so much. He loves His children so much that when he, when he encounters one that wishes they were anywhere, it's kind of like parents. Many of us have teenagers. Remember, teenagers? They want to be everywhere but with you. They don't want to be home. They don't want to eat your dinner. They don't want to serve. They don't want to do anything but come home, sleep eat and dump. After a while, that becomes offensive. But when, it's, when, when that offensiveness wears off, it becomes indifferent. And so God becomes indifferent to your presence in his being. He's so, he doesn't hear your sound enough and he knows that if you're coming, you're coming to use him. So he, he reacts to your prayers accordingly. Is this all right to say? And then, beyond that, when you pray, you have to believe that God is not limited by your humanity or the earth's mortality. You've got to know that he is and that he is a reward of them to diligently seek him, and you've got to say it before you get the prayer, when you don't need prayer, when you're out of a crisis, when, you don't, when you're not facing dilemmas, You've got to say it. See, to me, God is all that all the time. God is God. Life on earth is life on earth. And I understand the partition between the two. So God is a person, and life is, is experiences and events. So I don't ascribe my disapproval, because sometimes it's not even just life. We just disapprove of how he does it. I don't ascribe my disapproval to God's personhood. I, I just don't. Now, sometimes, my experience, he has triggered them, and I conclude he must have a good reason because he is out to do me good and not evil. Well, if God's about to do me good, I better find the good in it. All things work together for the good because he said he's he's not out to do me evil. So if he's out to do good for me, then I'm going to be responsible enough to find the goodness in all that I dislike, disapprove of, or are disappointed with. You see that? See, that's how you do it. See, that's how your mind shifts from an antagonist to a protagonist of the Almighty. So many of us are his antagonists. We got preachers standing up there all bitter because of something happened. You know, you got so many people standing up there talking about, well, you don't understand why God did this, this and that. Are you kidding me? you looking at how you changed since you got saved. God's looking at what you sold before you got saved that cannot be stopped. So we can, you know, I can say, uh, Paul, you know, I like Paul. Paul said, we talked about it Sunday. Paul says, wow, I'm, I promise you I didn't that. That man named Saul, he went under, He underwent a name change, and it didn't matter. God still was behind for so what he did. Because Psalm 99, 8 says, God forgives and still takes vengeance on your deeds.' See, that wisdom you need. You can't sit in the seat that I have if you don't resolve these things. You can say, I want to be like you, follow Christ all day long. Can you? Can you let everything be taken away? Can you be compelled to walk away from everything? Can you sit in darkness? Can you put up with such rejection and heinous assault and still say, but Jesus, you got it going on? You know, that is what made Job say, but I know my redeemer lives." And when he is through with me, I'm coming forth as pure gold. You have got to lock in on God's outcome and God's effect. No matter what the trial looks like, that's what Job did. Job locked in on God's outcome and God's effect. He said, but when God gets through with me, you, you're like, I'm through with God. So that's the difference. But if you want prayer power, you're going to do it because if your prayer power is up, God will tell you what he's doing. And he will let you know what he's going after. But he will never do it if, he, if, he, if you've proven to him time and time again that you are uncooperative and he can't count on you. So God only reveals and engages you in his projects when he knows he can count on you. Come hell or high water, come good days, bad days, dark times, because he knows that you know he's walking through the darkness to get to your result. Got <laughs> that? We'll pick this up next week. Prayer. Humanity's none of these golden tickets. But and, and you all, let me know what you think. I love reading some of your. I love reading your comments. Period. But I'm trying, I want you to walk away today, knowing that the only reason darkness perceives your daylight is because darkness is the reason you were deprived and denied. And so God has got to deal with the darkness, and you need to recognize devil's strike back, which is why you must become a master in prayer, because your prayer mastery minimizes the effects of their strike back you got to know God is for you and not against you. God is in you and is not just simply around you. God is on your side. God is not for your enemy. The reason you go through trials is because while God is plowing through the darkness that caused those trials and that's maintaining them, superintending them, is why you suffer. You're not suffering because God's going to do it. Sometimes God will put stuff on you, but he puts, stuff, he puts situations in your way to deal with attributes and attitudes in your soul. And he does, it's not because he condemns them and says, gee, you know, you're the worst thing going No, he knows that I've got to prepare you and I've got to transform you for the blessing or you will hate the blessing or pervert the blessing without even meaning to. Is this helping you guys? Are you all feeling? Are they? Because you, somebody has to tell you why you suffer. You and you think that you suffer because God doesn't want to bless you. No, God has your blessing. Remember, providence is pre-vision or pre-provision. So providence always had it when you were born. It was allocated to you. It's in your genes. It's in your DNA. It's in your physiological makeup. It's in your appetite. It's in your interest. It's in your enthusiasm. It's in your aspirations. That's there. But you are in this world. You know, as Paul said, but I am sold under sin. You've you got to get that. So God's got to do that, buy buybacks, negotiations, ransoms, ex- exchanges, transactions to get to legitimize his overturning of the legitimate laws or institutions, Satan is working against you. Oh, somebody gonna hear me. I just really, Lord, if I could get him to get it, no, help. <laughs> Thank you, Ebony, because I—I mean, I, I know that these things are are new. Empress said, Exactly So if I can make you mighty In trial and tribulation Then God will make you mighty In the world You will never be mightier In the world than you are in bouncing back From trials and tribulations Gotta be Good time This
0: explains
1: so much I know when he walked me through it he said, Paula, I'm trying to make you a partner in my conquest, but I, I can't do, to, do so until I stop to break you from being a captive in this, ap- in this opposition. See, some of us are oppositional captives because we don't know anybody. And so you have to recognize when God, I don't care what it is, the reason, the way, the reason you come back from cancer is because you recognize that it was, it was not God's idea, but it is going to benefit God's values in your life. There are some times that you're born with so many traits and attributes of Satan that God's got to put you through life crises after life crises after life crises to rid your soul of them and to replace them with his own. But anyway, we'll talk about this next week. We're been on this journey for a little bit, but I want you to let me know how it's blessing you. And then as you implement it, do it. And please do me a favor and share, share, share. Share, 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 and then share again. And if you are an intercessor or if you are a leader and teacher in the Lord, then you need to gather your fruit and begin to walk them through this. Because trials are coming, and my job is to help you conquer the trial so that you can convert to your conquest. See, God wants you to conquer everything. He never, ever, ever meant for us to be oppressed. He never went meant for us to be depressed. He never did. But because our conquerors have had our ear, had our hearts, and our souls from birth, we can't hear that. So we, don't, we, we actually, he tells us, He's the one that's, you know, obviously deflecting by putting it all on God and putting it all on Jesus Christ. And you know God's laws are rigid. God's word is hard. And you know God wants his people to suffer. And you haven't had teachers and enlightened educators who can break the seal on those lies and bring you into God's reality concerning them. Help me. So here you are, loving Jesus, thinking, wow, but why am I... Going through and why won't he bless me? No, God blessed you before you were born. And salvation is your delivery system. And sanctification is literally your access granted. See, God, to you. see, keep this in mind. Paul told us, he said, but we were all sold under sin. So your deliverance has come through a divine buyback. That's why God says, to which of your creditors will you charge me? Isaiah. God has creditors. You know who they are? They're the people who don't want to sell your soul back to its maker. People walk around talking about selling their souls to the devil. Your salvation was God's buyback. He ransomed your soul from the captors who wish you nothing but harm. Oh, please hear me. Please hear me. You are a priceless commodity, so priceless that they could not create a currency to pay God for it. He said not one of them can pay a ransom for his soul. The currency, if you use God's currency, buying you back would be fruitless. Because heaven's currency is blood. Come on, Pop. And she's back got the right stuff. I'm messing with her again. I, I should have one come around. This the one that's supposed to come around the corner. Yes. I need to sit all over here. But there is a use. I don't really need it.
0: Uh-huh.
1: We aren't doing it anymore.
0: Looking
1: your uh-huh. You can just slide to up under here. Don't you love how we just, we're just raw, we just real. You know, one thing about Facebook and YouTube, nobody's expecting to have the 500, you know, assistants and attendants who are going to help you. We all wear many hats in my organization uh, as we grow You know, and we have to do so because when you're building, you wear many hats. A a, a lot of you know that. But as they're getting set, what I want to leave you with. Did you want to bring the chair? No, you teared
0: me up today.
1: I I need to go pray. I can't. You had to go pray. You had to pray about coming around the corner to talk about prayer. (laughs) I can't today. But I want to let you know, you don't have to be a victim. My call and I'm, I, I, I finally got it after all of these years, is to pull you out of the realm of victims. victimism. You don't to have to be a victim. You can take over your life today. Today, right now, you can take over by, first of all, listening to this about Ken That'll help. That might help? Good stuff. <laughs> Good stuff. And finish. Okay? But as you listen, allow God to... Open it up to let God be your educator. I'm just an instructor, but let God be your educator and let him educate you out of your darkness into his life. The Bible said we, we literally overcome we, and, and really gain power from the knowledge of the Son of God because he lived it. He did it. I want you to do it. Now, and I also want you to remember, hey, it's sow-seed time. Sow-seed time. So, before we get into our discussion, hallelujah, and I know that many of you will sow mighty seeds today because I've given you mighty relief and mighty breakthroughs because this information, had it been common, you'd have heard it before, oh. and if you'd heard it before, you'd have had an opportunity to follow the, its advice and transform into what I've described. So you should sow a seed, and so this is the Playtime, and property is going to tell you how to do it, and then at the end, probably actually might tell you again. All right, so you can show a seed via Cash
0: App. Her handle there is Dr. Paul Price, of course, with the dollar sign. Um, and then you can also show a seed, PayPal, paypal.me slash Dr. Paul Price. You can show a seed that way. Um, and then you can also show a seed via text to give. So the text to give is 918 608 608 So three ways to give Cash App. Dr. Paula Price, PayPal.me/DrPaulaPrice, or text to give 918-608-1378
1: So it would be great. You know, I have great things I'm trying to do. We're still fighting to break through in the uh, media area and the television. You are the ones who value what I do. And that value has got to turn from a, a spiritual appreciation and edification into a material currency. Your faith has a currency, and that is it sees you so as well as advice you take. I need you to do that. And share uh,
0: this. Uh, sh- yeah. Share this now. Share this in your messenger. Share this on your pages. Um, send out links via text to your friends who you know, don't go on Facebook regularly. This is a a powerful subject that oddly affects Every one you've got to share this message. This is not just Mm -hmm. niche or niche specific You've Mm -hmm. got to share this every believer deals with prayer every believer has issues in prayer Mm -hmm. You've got to share this message do that now share it in your messenger get that link grab the link share it via your text message share with your family share this message
1: And, and share it again and again this is powerful. And we're not going to stop. But I want you to share it not as, well, this thing teaches you how to pray. I want you to, st- when you share it, you tell everybody this teaching exposes your prayer blocks and hindrances. Yes. Because that's what it is. Yes. You know, in the end, that is where you are. Something is blocking your prayer or hindering its response. And that's what we're talking about prayer blocks and hindrances. Well, did you want to it's go following
0: your relationship with God? I feel like you need yeah. a lot of things to heal that relationship. Oh with yes, with
1: so God. people can let them off the hook,
0: like uh, but we should plug Adventures in Prayer too, because address that of oh, the one, one before the Lord. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, yeah, but like it. That's why we right. <laughs> here. Adventures in Prayer. What oh, year I did What that. year did you write that book? Nineteen ninety-seven,
1: I believe. It was ninety-seven something like that? It, was that God, it could it. be. I was I was in a riding swing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you stop right. <laughs> that is originally a book that Dr. Price wrote about the different levels, the eleven types of prayer. Mm-hmm. I think you identified in there how to come to the Lord in prayer. Right now, it is an audio book that you can purchase and download from Dr. Price's website, www. dot com. If you go down to where it tells you, uh, where you can shop for products. Um, you can go in and key that in, Adventures in Prayer. It's and an it adventure. It is
1: an adventure. It comes in two parts. Mm-hmm. Does it? Yes. Okay. Chapters 1 through 4 and then chapters 5 through 8. So you, and what I want you to know about that book or all prayer books is that we have made prayer so spiritual it has become ethereal and we treat it as an abstract. You know, okay. It's abstract. It's intangible. And so anything you feel is intangible, you conclude is inoperable. And that's what we want yes. to fix as we go forward in this whole dimension called prayer. Because next year, you're going to need some strong prayer protocols, but you're also going to need an empowered position with and in Jesus Christ, your Savior because you're going to need a whole other side of him. I promise Please. you, by this Holy Ghost, by the Spirit of the living God, we won't get too far into 2019 when all the complexion of life and the texture of what we're used to will totally change. Your relationship with God needs to be intact before then. If we are going to have a New Year's service, it better be one that fixes your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're going to celebrate Thanksgiving, you better make fixing that relationship a priority and part of your blessing. Because I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, by the spirit spirit of the living God, the world as you know it, not only will it be no more, but you need to find out how to be blessed in it and preserved because God is stepping in. He's moving in and he's muscling in. You can see he's doing it. That's why folks are mad with him. God is muscling on devils because he said, I am that I am. I am the sovereign of sovereigns." and now I want to take my kingdom back. I want to take my world back. I want to take my children back. I need to do that. I'm taking my church back. See, God would have been fine if the devil hadn't attacked the church. So <laughs> you understand that there was, you know, you know, there's his his realm of advice or what, or, or um, of leadership and legislation. Thank you, Jesus. There's that, but then there is the church, the ecclesia. I want you to hear me when I tell you: you might be casual about how people treat your church. You may be casual about your Christianity. You could probably say, "Hey, well, you know, I'll handle it when I'm old." But understand that the Christianity doesn't just have a founder, it has a progenitor. That's different. See, Christianity has a begetter, It doesn't just have a founder. See, all those religions have founders, but not Christianity. Christianity has a progenitor. It has a father and not a fabricator. And so because God is the father of Christian, Christianity of Christians, True Christians, God is, is coming after what you're doing to his children. See, he's a father now. I'm telling you, because you all need to get this. All of you all who are selling out and you're moving over, you millennials who are following devils and following rappers and following all kinds of demonic stuff. I'm here to tell you, you put yourself in a precarious position. And that position is that God's going to take care of his children. To you, Christianity is a religion. To God, it is a redeemed. And that God is saying, I vow. See, you can break your vows. You might be all right breaking your vows. It could be all right. You know, people do it all the time. Mm -hmm. But Jesus is not a vow breaker or a covenant breaker. And he said, he vowed before he left his planet that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. Now, I know a lot of you all say, yeah, but you know, uh-uh. No, first of all, you need to study. It. I did a class on gates, and I found out, oh, this man is going The gates of hell. Now, this is not a vow from a mortal man. This is a vow from the progenitor of our faith. We started as a nation. We started as, as a procreation, a divine procreation. So you need to understand that as long as Satan didn't try to destroy the man's church, he probably would have done well. But the fact that they they, they don't believe the scriptures and the fact that he has convinced people that they have convinced his agents and emissaries that they have more power than you has released the heart. I'm host of heavens on them, and the host of heavens are beginning ready to take on the hordes of hell. And I promise you by the Holy Ghost, you better be in your right place, because you can be a casualty of a war you can't even fight. The man said, "The gates of hell will not prevail." The Sovereign of creation. The God who has kicked Satan out of his world said the gates of hell will not prevail. I'm telling you, I'm looking at our politicians, I'm looking at our so-called Christian politicians, and I'm thinking you don't even move on that basic reality that this man is getting ready to take out a whole line of things. Don't worry about what the news said, because I promise you, we won't get deep into 2019 before this man blows it out of the water. And they will walk around shamefaced and embarrassed because there is a Lord of Ecclesia is coming. They're gonna discredit all this garbage. Because, not because he didn't like what they did, world was wicked, until they know better, they, they're gonna do worse. But I'm telling you, mm. they should have not, they should not have touched the apple of his eye. The church, the ecclesia, is the apple of his eye because it's his children. We are not religionists, we are the redeemed. And I promise you, by the spirit of the living God, I don't care. This nonsense that you see will die. It will cease to be. I don't care how ugly they act. Their ugliness is going to turn in on them as uh, Because God said, you should, have, should not have touched the apple of my eye. That's what he said. You should not have touched that which I redeemed. You should not have touched what that I birthed. See, we are not just God's, uh, what is it, God's worshipers. We are God's offspring. And if he lets them take us out, then they have to, that will wound him. See, because we are him, and he is us. And just like any father who cares about his children, he's not going to let a bully, and he's not going to let an assault come in and destroy his children. So, God, we might see, I promise you, we're going to see a lot of saints go up out of here. They're going to go quickly, and a lot of some are going to go sadly, and others are going to go tragically. But we're going to see a lot of them. And God said, because um, i begin with the house of God. That's what he said. Judgment begins in the house of God. So, so, so that you know what is God and what isn't. A lot of your favorite preachers will not be around. They will not see 2023. I promise you that is God's will, and, and and a lot of it is not going to be pretty. It's going to be so ugly that you're going to almost wonder if you are saved by the right God because you're missing. You're going to be. You've never met the other side. of it. You've never met the defender of our faith. You've never met the protector protector of our salvation you've never met that person you are so busy dealing with the salvation and the Savior you miss the fact that a sovereign it's a king that started this and not just the Savior uh-uh. so this king that we all are having fun with see you looking at all of that look at it you can look at the pattern God is in these are all warning shots these are just warning shots he hasn't even gotten started yet because he's still his angels are still flooding the planet and they're still dropping in, waiting for the, the, the right army to do what he wants. Trust me, the hosts of heaven are about to take out the hordes of hell. You can mark my words. You can make that a quote and say it. I said it. Because this man said, but you touched the apple of my eye. I promised you that the gates of hell would not prevail against his church. He said that. Engagements, laws, legislation, and we go on and on and on. Prophecy, ministry, trade, diplomacy, all of those are gate things. And so you yourself better make sure that you don't get swept away as a casualty. You better be in a place with God that he has a reason to, to tell his angels to pass over your house. And I mean your physical being. Because you better make sure the blood is on your forehead. So that he will pass over you.
0: <laughs> you <see> that <laughs> Ooh. Uh, I don't know. What do you say after a message like that? But that let's just hear it again. You know, mm-hmm. let's just replay this and hear this again. Uh, I think that you've answered many things today. Um, you talked earlier about. Oh, let's see, which which thing to pull? Both of these are really powerful. But you have
1: a seat, so why don't you just take
0: Okay. All right, so you talked first about how prayer was your constitutional authority. Um, I'd love for you to elaborate a little bit on that and just talk a little bit more on that. You said prayer must come from a conscious attitude um, and that essentially that we are that moved into this, like my, my notes are a little out of order, but that moved into the piece about how you could start with praise, but mm-hmm. you're not supposed to stay in that place and you have mm-hmm. to move yeah. into yep. a conscious place of prayer. So mm-hmm. I just thought that was powerful. Maybe you can speak on that a little bit.
1: Yes, the first thing, the constitutional piece, I had a conversation with a person once and we were talking about constitutions. And so uh, this person was telling me how informed they were about what a constitution is and all of that. And, and, I said, and, and I said, the Bible's a constitution. He said, well, no, uh, yeah, it is. I said, but let me just help you, because all things in life start with a being. I know we don't like to say that. We really don't. But all things start with a being, because everything in creation is a being. It's, it's a being that extended himself. How often have we said, you have a strong constitution? Mm-hmm. Yes. Have, have you ever heard yes. that? So you're strong. You are your first constitution how you keep your health accepted. Jesus came as the embodiment of of creation's constitution, which is why he has it all. So you cannot pray to a a deity you don't know. You cannot pray your pastor's prayers. They can only guide you into exploring yours. You cannot pray to something you don't like, you don't commune with, you don't trust. You cannot do that. It's a futile effort. That is vain repetition. You don't expect God to hear, but you get up every day, every morning, and you say the same old prayer and you do the same old chant. You know, you ask God, Well, what is wrong? What what's God's what yoga chant? He talked about it. He said that he said, Don't pray like the sinners pray, or the publicans pray, just vain repetition. Just empty words, recite it, repeat it, repeat it, recite it, it, repeat it. That's not prayer to God. God calls that white noise. It's just white noise to him because it's giving him nothing to do. It's engaging nothing he has to make happen what you want. So stop that. I don't know who you are, but I see you. You get up and you're so proud of yourself. You put on your little shorts, and you got these little, little green shorts you wear. You sit down with your knee legs crossed, and you just go at it saying the same thing, talking about, well, I'm really talking to Jesus Christ. But he's not here, right, so stop. And you do it every morning. Stop it. And there are numbers of you who do that. You went to this little prayer thing, and they told you, well, just say this three times. Are you kidding? God's like, I hate that. You told me, I hate, don't you do that. Don't you bring that to me. I hate it. Act as if you're a son or a daughter. Act as if you have special access to me. Act as if you have a special place in me. Don't treat me like I'm nothing. Don't treat me like I'm a block of wood. I'm not the wind. I'm not the nature I'm made. I'm the creator of that nature. So stop those nature prayers. Stop it. Because a lot of you Christians are picking up those nature prayers. I want you to know that you're picking up the same thing God cursed that caused Cain to kill his brother.
0: Wow.
1: See, stop those nature prayers.
0: Stop those nature, stop prayers. The nature <laughs> prayers. Stop that. <laughs> you also spoke about uh, the embodiment piece. Um, you said if God doesn't have what you need in his world, it will not have a body. a body in this one. That embodiment must be the ground of your hope.
1: Yes. I would like you to see. I can say this. I would like you to see yourself as once not existing. Psalm one thirty nine says that God fashioned our days. First of all, He prepared our body from its embryonic state until its adulthood. That's number one. Psalm 139, 15 through 18. I need you to study that and not just read it like you've heard it. And then the last thing I like about that statement is that he said, but he fashioned days for us when as yet there were none of them. Study that word fashion. I I tell you to do this because some of you want to study. You get your Bible and you look at it and this is what you do. Because you're like, you look there, look, hey, here. Okay. Woo, that's interesting, Okay. Okay. So I'd like to give you direction because you want to learn your God. And so Psalm thirty-nine, 139 says that God fashioned your day. So that means that he fashioned your entire life 24-7, 365 window. And then in order for it to happen, he had to stock it. That's why you know providence is, because he stocked your days. Way he stocked your body.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, okay. one day, so when you start praying for something, if it's not in your stock, if it's not in your inventory, then it's for, it, it, it just doesn't exist, which is really hard because everything exists in God. Now, he may not think it's for you, but you're, you know what? You can push and draw it in, but you will have to live with the consequences of its reaction. Or destructions or distractions in your life. Unless this man he's my honey, he is my honey. And I'm going to call him honey all day long. And I'm going to call him sugar pie Jesus and honey man and everything else I can think of. Because nobody has so amazed my mind oddly like him. But yeah, continue on. You, got? you had a blue one and you didn't like that. Yeah,
0: I know. well, no. <laughs> <laughs> you, <didn't know. laughs> you got blue. No, they were just, these were statements we talked about how there's not a religion in the world that goes without prayer. That witchcraft
1: yes. is pagan prayer. Yes. It is. It's prayer to Satan. They pray to Satan. So you won't think witchcraft is just candles and smoke and stuff. No, they petition Satan to release or assign his demons to go after what they want. Here's the problem with witchcraft, even white witchery. Because I know we like to say we got the white witch and the dark witch, you know, and we got the good witch on Ion. So let me just tell you about the good witch. Well, he said good, good, good. The good witch does good for whomever pays for their services. But if that good breaks or breaches another's will, that good is not good. So you pray for somebody to love you right. who wouldn't want to love you, but you have to use demons to create that love and then demons to keep it going. <laughs> well, because it's the truth. I mean, we've got to talk about it because we've got to be who we are. So there is, witchcraft is all about breaking another's will for cost. Wow. Or curse. It's about breaking your will, so you want. You, and you know why you, you know why I do it because there's a commercial that Geico has on right now, and it talks. It, it demonstrates exactly what God's issue is, and the and the, and the commercial is this is Geico, so you know now they. I gotta call it because they wrote it. So the commercial is this guy is sitting in his lawn talking about, and they're talking. He's in a lounge chair, and they're talking about whatever it is they are, and he's saying, watch, when so-and-so comes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, he's talking about hypnotizing, he said, I'm going to make him mow my lawn. Ooh. So the guy shows up, and the guy says, hey, how you doing? He's going to mow my lawn. And the guy just goes over like a slave and mows his lawn. He said, see, I told you. Hey, guys, what about you at work? Is anybody deciding what you will do against your will in your job? For Geico to put that out, you know they pay in witches and they've got plans. And you pay. You need to pay attention to those other commercials because those commercials are telling you how they plan to work over the mindless and the weak will. Mm-hmm. And every time I waited, I said, "God, I need to see that commercial again." Because I'm gonna talk about that. Yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I did. I told him. And you know what? I was up last night writing my book, and here he comes. And you look at it, and, and, and the guy is literally dumbfounded as he walks around like a little machine and goes to mow this man's lawn because he said, I hypnotized him. That's your future, guys. Church, you don't want to pray down here. Come on. You better open your prayer portal, and you better find your seat at the prayer table in the prayer meeting in heaven. Mm. I remember even when, when Best Buy did it. And remember, I had the little girl, and she came up and put her hands on his oh, head yeah. and told him, yeah. I said, these companies are already yes. already convinced that they can take out God's ecclesia. That is why God needs you strong. That is why God needs you powerful. That is why God needs you informed, educated, and developed. Now, this is a, a major corporation. Right. Telling you it is okay for you to find out how to hypnotize your neighbor to make him your slave. The idea of when I when, I, when that went off, I was like, "Is that insurance?" I wish I had to insurance. What does that? Ha-? And look at your commercials. They no longer have anything to do with the profit product. They have everything to do with the agenda. Everything, because they want you to buy the agenda. They don't care because they know they can hypnotize you into buying the product. I went off again. <laughs> I'm going to go to her. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but do you want to talk about that case in the U.K.? Well, don't the, she, um,
1: Cause, you know, she's, she's getting beat now. She's bringing her own case.
0: <laughs> CBN app, great app to have. Christian Broadcast Network. She's thinking about opening. But there's been a case for five years. Uh, let me see. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Oh, yeah, that's too. Okay, so this is in Ireland. There's been a four year legal battle with Christian bakers in Northern Ireland. They've won their case at the uh, Supreme Court in the UK. And so a gay customer came in, a gay rights activist, I'm sorry, came in, and they wanted them to make a case saying support gay marriage. So they did not do that. Because they do not agree with the message. Mm-hmm. And they took it to court, of course, and, oh. and tried to do the whole hate crime, so on and so forth. After four years, the court ruled in the baker's favor. And because the, even the baker said, it was never about not serving somebody who was gay, we've actually served this man before, mm-hmm. or whatever. This is about the message. We don't agree with the message. Mm-hmm. And so they finally ruled that you cannot be forced to do what you do not agree with in mm-hmm. putting that in writing on whatever they were asked mm-hmm. to do. And so that was a really big win yeah. Yeah. in it was. the entire U.K. It yeah, it
1: was a big win, I tell you, especially in the U.K.
0: Yes. And so the gentleman, MacArthur, is giving thanks to God for the victory, saying this ruling protects freedom of speech and freedom of conscience for everyone in the U.K. Yeah. And he goes on to thank the Lord in a very secret way. Mm.
1: Okay. Four years, four years. Wow. But you have to stand because you understand, in allowing, if, you know, him changing um, evil back to good is kind of like uh, allowing a uh, renter or a boarder in your house, and realizing you want to get them out. Getting them out is a lot harder than getting them in. So you need to brace yourself because getting these devils out of high seats is a lot harder than getting them in. And so you need, you need to be willing to stand, to fight. And you've got another thing you want to share, don't you? Mm. So, but you have got to recognize it takes a while. It doesn't happen easily because they, they are invested in it. See, before they get in their seat, they're aspiring. And they, that's what they did to us. They talked us out a bit. They let us know that Christians shouldn't be in politics and, and preachers shouldn't preach to, uh, politics. Are you kidding? We preach for humanity. You can't be more humane than us. You cannot be more humanity uh, um, appointed than us. Our whole foundation is humanity. The Great Commission is humanity. Go disciple nations. That's humanity. That's human. So we led the way. In humanity, but the difference is ours is for humanity's best and theirs is for something else while she's doing that you want to find
0: something you got anything else you want to talk about oh absolutely okay yeah. so um you just uh kind of ended uh, part of the, the teaching on the fact that christianity doesn't have a founder but it has a progenitor and i wanted you to, to talk about what why, why is that so important what, that we understand that, the difference between the founder and the progenitor?
1: Because we are where we are today, based on Christians or churches, because it could be both, um, not knowing the difference between their faith and the religions of the world. When religions of the world come, like for example, you know, the, the, the thing where Allah means God. What Christian says, well, an unenlightened Christian would say, well, God is God. I mean, you know, because in our world, we're still operating on the premise that Christianity still has a, a massive stronghold on the world. Right? Right. So when you said God, everybody knew it was the God and yes. Father of Jesus Christ. Well, the church got lax in that and a little bit distorted, etc. And so most people are still hearing terms like God as if it's the God and Father of Jesus Christ, but well, that's a tactic. That's a demonic tactic yeah. to get you to drop your God. Again, stop thinking or not filtering. So, you know, today you say, God bless you, you can't, I don't even say it any longer because I'm thinking, I don't know what God i will be telling you, I don't know. So I only represent one God, so I'm just going to talk about Jesus. So if you want me to say, Jesus bless you, then I'm going to just let you sneeze your little heart out and go on and give You can clean it. Yeah, you get some tissue, yeah. But so... That's the one thing. Um, and then, as time has gone on, from the slide, that slide, that downward slide that we've been in, has Christianity being hailed and established as a world religion, and we're not a religion. And we need you to stop saying that we're a religion. We are a people who were birthed by divine seed, by the Godhead seed. And so we are redeemed because we, because the, the dead part of us was taken to hell. And when it was taken to hell, it separated us from our paternal and maternal gods, our generation gods. So we are redeemed because God bought us from our mama and daddy's gods who worked or collided, polluted with Satan. So we cannot walk around and say we are just a religion. I know that for tax purposes and things like that, we need to call it something for a while. But the bottom line is the Christian, the true Christian is not a religion. It has never been a religion. We, When we started out, we never started out as a religion. As a matter of fact, we started out, out as wrapping up God's religion and opening up his nation. Yeah. So when I teach I used to teach my kids that in Sunday school and when they were kids, I was like, Honey, let me just tell you why you're different from, from all these other religions because we're not. Every other religion has sprung up from the earth. We did not. We descended from heaven. Old oh, people tell your children. Tell your children. You know, and you sit down and have all of these arguments. So when we we cannot do yoga, we cannot do naturism, we cannot do those things because they are not, they are from our death, the days of our death, and not the days of our life. Did you want to
0: say
1: well? Yeah. She's got to say well. yeah. Did you want to do that? Okay. When did okay. you do it? Because, you know, she, she's moving into her apostleship, and so she's been now giving her, well, expanse uh, to expand. Well, this is a
0: follow-up from last week that oh, we we're talking about, oh, the um, bullying, uh-huh. the Democratic bullying and everything. So Hillary Clinton, it says, Democrats cannot be civil with Republicans must get tougher. Mm-hmm. In the article, she is saying how um, she said you cannot be civil with a political party that wants to destroy what you stand for what you care about, things that. no, anyway, okay, in an interview with CNN, that's why I believe if we are fortunate enough to win back the House and or Senate, that then, then that's when civility can start again. But until then, the only thing that the Republicans seem to recognize and respect is strength. But that's not strength. Strength, that's bullying. And so, that's abuse. Okay. So she accused the Republican Party of being power hungry, spreading lies, and playing dirty. I remember what they did to me for 25 years. The falsehoods, the lies, which unfortunately people believe because the Republicans have put a lot of time, money, and effort in promoting them. So, he says, so when you're dealing with an ideological party that is driven by the lust for power, that is funded by corporate interests who want a government that does its bidding, uh, then you can be civil, but you can't overcome what they intend to do unless you win elections.
1: So... What she accused the conservative or the Republicans of being
0: kidding me. Is that me? not what the Democrats are, are you doing? Me?
1: More brutally, more abusively, more hostily, more viciously? I mean, you you all just said we're gonna ugly up the playboard. We're just gonna go and ugly up the playboard and whatever. But Kenyon, I like this See, you know Yes. You know
0: well, and so Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell blasted the former Secretary of State after her interview and accused radical Democrats of harassing people with whom they disagree. Thank you. And then began to run down a list. Mm -hmm. of. um, She told CNN exactly how she views millions of Americans who hold different Mm -hmm. political views than her own. No peace until they get their way. More of these unhinged tactics. Apparently those who are the left's rallying cry. Those are the left's rallying cry. And then just, you know, people who are supporting Kavanaugh, how they were harassed. Ted Cruz and his wife run out of a restaurant for supporting him. Uh, I mean, you know, all of these kind of things that are not done. But that's not politics right? to me.
1: Well, that's not politics. And, and, and we, the American people, need to say, if you're going to be our mm, you know, A, mixed martial artist, then be our mixed Marshall artist. I sell us some tickles. And we're going to come to your your tournament. If you're going to be our boxers, if you're going to be our brutes, then let us know that. But don't hide behind the term political party when you, in fact, don't intend to do anything but bully us and destroy our people. I got a problem with the fact that she talked about civility because, see, out of civility, we get civilians. And civilians are citizens. So as you read this and so say, yeah, understand that she is advocating doing to you as a citizen what you teach your kids not to do to their schoolmates. She's advocating bullying. She's advocating abuse. She's advocating harassment. She's advocating assault. You understand that this is what you, your kids, you, we got commercials that say stand by bullying. Why don't you start with the Democratic Party? Well, you have a people group that now,
0: if anybody disagrees, they are the default label is hate. Exactly. So I don't agree with what you're saying. So I'm a hater. I'm the one who has a problem. I need to go to jail. Charges need to be brought up against me. You made me feel like whatever
1: because I don't agree. Exactly. But I'm going to stay with this. I'm saying. America, the United States of America, needs to call a bully what it is, yep. needs to call assault what it is. Nobody, because if, 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 if you weren't a Democrat and you ran somebody out of a restaurant, you'd be arrested. But because you're a Democrat, you want to be elected. Well, yes, yeah, you refuse to serve somebody. There are laws against that. Okay. But you are saying that our politicians have got to decide to eat at home because if they come out in the public, they might meet somebody who calls protest, who calls battering and abuse protesting. See, we've lost definitions. We need to go back to our definition. This and, and Hillary Clinton isn't the only one because I think I read an article with a, a um um a politician from I want to say Hawaii and whatever. And when they asked her about. Um, that running Kavanaugh out and harassing and whatnot. You know what her answer was? That's just the way it is. Ooh, I said, but that's not what we voted for. I did not elect my my official, right? I really didn't to go and be worse than me and right. get away with it. You understand that y'all lawmakers? I need the lawmakers to wake up. I need the legislators to wake up. And if the conservative party is so powerful that she's got to whine like that and they have to have backroom meetings about dropping the rules and taking off the gloves, if they're that powerful, I would say to the Republicans, y'all need to take that up. Y'all, are, trust me, you need to run with that, build on that, and you need to be the ones to, to hinder it. Because I said, when you read that to me, you know what I said to God? I said, but we don't have a record. Of any Democrat suffering what they're imposing on the Republicans. We don't have one record that said that. I don't believe one Democrat could have lived through what Brett Kavanaugh lived through and stood it. I bet you they don't have one. And all of their noise and all because they they don't work without mobbery. Did you know mobbery is a word? Mobbery is a word. I found the word. I was so excited. Mobbery. There is a word for this. It's called mobbery, and they don't work without mobbery. They, they they can't because they have no message because their message was destroyed when they didn't take office so they have no message wow. so all they have now is revenge mm.
0: it's a revenge
1: it's a vendetta they don't have a message because when you have a message then you don't have to be messy they are messy because they have no message their message is kill America their message is Put out Christians. Their message is in the reign of Jesus Christ. Their message is to take over the, the right, make everything left. Their message is let us kill babies. Their message is let us sell baby parts that we kill. Their message failed because it was a, their message equated to death and doom. So, America, I'm going to tell you right now, do you really want that? Because, see, right now there's politicians. Well, let's look at it when it's your job. Because once once the politician's okay, then anybody in your job who disagrees with you can harass you, can do that. Cybercrime, they can do that. They can get away with it because they have... They disagree. They have a protest, and in the name of protest, and in the name of opposition, you could be harassed the way Brett Kavanaugh was at work. You could be harassed in school. As a matter of fact, your kids are harassed like that in school yeah. because that's what children do. But you realize that you can, when you go to the town fair now, you can be beaten up and whatever. And trust me, this is what they want. So you go to the town because they want to beat you into subjection, subjection because they cannot persuade you into conviction. And when, when you can't persuade someone in conviction, then you have to beat them into subjection. And I'm telling you, I don't know about you, but, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I think America wants peace. I think America is tired of this. I really do. I think that the United States, we're tired of this. We're tired of news being, coming off, literally acting like the uh, announcers at, at tournaments and prize fights, <laughs> just narrating brawl after brawl after brawl after brawl. All they do is narrate brawl. And now um, fight tactics. We have got to. I'm telling you right now, you want peaceful America? You need to move them people out of office. Yeah, you need to do it, not because you understand. You have you believe the ideology, because I don't even know if they espouse one. But because you're tired of the brawling. This is a brawling party. All they do is brawl. All they do is bully. All they do is harass. Everything about them is to dismantle what we call the peace. The United States of America. They are not just in disruption; they're in dismantling, dismantling and demolition. They want to demolish your land, and when they demolish it, you need to ask yourself what's going to take its place. Well, you don't have to ask because you can see what they want. They have they already had folks ready to move in and take its place we're seeing it here in Tulsa because the Christians in Tulsa laid down and played there and got all comfortable with the devil tickling in their belly. We've seen a whole host of nasty coming in the door. <laughs> You're right. It's nasty. So I will say to you, I'm, I'm glad, and I want you to, I'm going to find the other one because we want to post this because when you get ready to go and you say, I'm a Democrat, I want you to know Hillary defines you. When you say, I'm a Democrat, Hillary defines you and she also literally Commanded you to express their ideologies and their politics violently, unjustly, illegally, and ruthlessly. And I'm telling you, so when you decide that, because I know I like a lot, you know, our people, you think that they be in DNA is Democrat. And I'm telling you, but are you really her? Is that really who you are? Well, I'm not, but, but still, I'm just loyal to the party, but you cannot be loyal. something that you don't agree with in action or effect. If you're a Democrat, then you are uncivil. If you're a Democrat, then you are a harasser. That's what she said. She said it. We didn't say this. She herself outed her own party party, backroom meetings. She outed them. So she defined you and defined your politics as cruel, unjust, unrighteous, Abusive, hostile, and harassing. She defined you, and I would say to me, if I was the person in that party, I would say you ain't never getting out the back room again. Because I'm tell you, she gave us more fodder than we could ever do. <laughs> well, we had a, a good show. Yes. Don't forget, share, 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 and so a seat again. So a seat. You want to say it? app. Yes, yep. Dr. Paula Price me,
0: Dr. Paul Grace.
1: Next again, 918 right. So, we see, you realize that stepping out like this is very difficult. I know it's difficult because it's the sound that people have thought and nursed but feared to release. So I'm doing this. I'm not doing it just for us. There are days that I say, God, please, but I'm doing this because our king deserves better and our faith deserves more. So stay with us. Hey, join me Sunday, Congregation of the Mighty, where God stands, for scripture organic, organic, cultural modified Christianity. And don't forget now, sow that seed. I'm blessing those who've sown seeds. I release your harvest today, and I command the harvesters to bring it to your house and into your sphere of life in Jesus. G- in- Jesus' name, amen. Have a great
0: day. This episode is made possible by PwC. When unprecedented times are all the time, it's time to start walking the talk. Leaders like you turn to PwC to see and stay ahead. Upskill your workforce, use intelligent automation, and transform big ideas into breakthrough outcomes. Explore the human-led, tech-powered solutions that help you thrive.